0: Welcome to Five Stripe Weekly. It's a social distancing episode as we're all in different locations. We're brought to you here by the love for the Five Stripes. But we'll go back in time and we'll reminisce on our experience at the 2017 Atlanta United match. And we'll cover all of the COVID-19 news and its impact on the soccer world and MLS. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, 5 True FM. I'm AJ, and with me are Tanner and Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. So guys, let's get right into the flurry of COVID-19 news. But first off, before we get into all that, Jose Martinez had successful surgery on his knee. And that's really, really great news because yeah, it was delayed for various reasons, probably because of the swelling, probably because it was an elective surgery. And yeah, he probably uh, was trying to also get the best of the best type of surgeons, at least Alien United probably were trying to do it. And uh it looks like he's uh you know made a full uh recovery from that and is now in rehab, so uh Tanner has disappeared already, which is hilarious, but I'm back guys, bear with us this is the uh the covid nineteen days, and uh this is bound to but uh yeah, he wrote a really really heartwarming message, thanking all the fans on Instagram and all Atlanta fans for their support during this time and uh yeah i mean seems like he's gone with the best in freddie Fu, who also uh worked on zlatan ibrahimovic and uh he also came back really really quickly in about uh, i think you know pretty much uh, pretty well about that tanner right like he came back in about
1: yeah six months or so he was really really quick um he played a little bit in the fall he clearly wasn't fully fit um but again he had that whole age factor he's was 36 at the time and playing at the highest level so but he what returned to the la galaxy in what was it april or so of of 2018 and he was pretty good for them um but again you know it depends on the level of play so i think joseph a lot younger probably better health you know seen less mileage he probably recovers pretty quickly so with everything being postponed things are looking somewhat decent for him at least in terms of missing less games
0: yeah mark uh yeah so, uh, according to a you know a former Sports Illustrated and ESPN injury analyst, he told uh, ninety-two night of the game, uh, Will Carroll, he said that there's a possibility that he could be back much earlier than expected. I mean, uh, you know, would, would like should we expect Joseph Martinez, uh, you know, in maybe October or November even?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like reasonably. I guess it's doable. Um, yeah, listening to that interview uh, where they went into this uh, the surgeon's style and how it's different from how ACL surgeries are normally done, I thought that was interesting because I mean, like, ACL surgeries have been done for years now. And I think it's gotten to a point where, you know, once upon a time it was a sort of career ending, kind of debilitating kind of injury. Now it's like, okay, you come back within a year. And so, you know, if there's somebody who's like sort of perfecting the method to where that Joseph can come back sooner. And then, yeah, Joseph is in the prime of his career, whereas time was at, you could say, the tail end of his career. And I think what he showed after that injury, yes, he, you know, saw a lot of that was MLS. It was still pretty good. I mean, he's back in Europe now, you know. So, like, for I think the outlook for Joseph is uh, is pretty optimistic. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's... Uh, MLS ends up having to play a very late season. I think it is possible that Joseph comes back for it.
0: Yeah, kind of showing that uh, the Serie A is somewhat of a retirement league in itself. But but anyway, so let's let's move on. Uh, So in accordance to the CDC guidelines, they have recommended that the postponement of all events with 50 people or more in the next eight weeks should happen. And MLS today, this is a Thursday that we're recording this, they have effectively also uh, made the return date May 10th, and also there's a moratorium on team practice that was supposed to be on this Friday, but uh, the players have apparently been able to train separately at the, um, you know, at the training grounds, but uh, is this a surprise at all, or, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah, I mean, at this point, things are just changing so quickly and more and more things are just closing up shop that, you know, I'm still surprised that players are even allowed to like leave their houses. I guess some of them aren't. So, yeah, it's one of those things where everyone's trying to get stuff stopped. So it's, it's just such a weird time to be not just like a soccer fan, but just like a person in general, for being honest, like everything closing down. And it's kind of shocking maybe that it took sports so long to shut down. You know but yeah no it's, it's not shocking at all and i honestly think those dates are going to keep getting pushed back as well
0: yeah mark uh yeah i mean it, it's because yeah i mean uh you know you have uh sports still kind of happening in different parts of the world maybe some people aren't really taking it as seriously in a sense mm-hmm. and yeah. sports it shows how much of an impact that sports really does have on i think the you know just the everyday person
2: yeah Um, Yeah, both. Yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously the fans, but also, you know, all the uh, the wage workers, you know, who work at these facilities and what have you. Like sports is a a mini economy. And so, you know, I think once once the NBA suspended their season, that was the first domino, not only for the sports, but for society in general to say, okay, this is actually a very serious thing. You see now um, the mayor of Atlanta has announced that bars and restaurants are gonna be closed for the time being and you know that's just an example like yeah atlanta's in some parts of ghost town like there's no rush hour that's crazy to me. i've lived in atlanta <laughs> for... the
1: least amount of traffic ever
2: ever yeah. like i've lived in the city for 10 years i've never seen anything like this so i mean it's yeah you know uh in terms of mls they yeah they they're gonna do what they have to do Um, I also think at this point, May 10th is probably optimistic. So, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where we'll have to see such a fluid situation.
0: It is. Uh, Yeah, there was that meme that went around that was, uh, you know, stop coming to Atlanta, we fool. Right, you guys have seen that? Yeah. uh, yeah. it's a really damn shame that it took something like this for it to, yeah, (laughs) really make it a ghost town like this. But um, so there was also uh, a report from uh, Yahoo, that the 2020 MLS Cup could be played as late as December 19th at a neutral site. That's nine days later than any of the league's previous other finals. That's, uh, I mean, maybe if it even happens and, you know, if we get to that point, uh, December 19th, is that too late for you guys?
1: I mean, honestly, getting the cup in is, is if that even happens, it'd be incredible. I think you know it'll probably end up being somehow shortened or compressed or something will happen. It, it will not, it'll be very not normal in terms of like 34 games being played and all that. But to get the MLS Cup in, you know, to to save a season. Is it worth it? I guess we still don't know that much yet. Depending on how serious thing this thing gets, and, you know, we may look back and say, "Wow, that was crazy to even think we could play sports." But you know, being optimistic, yeah, you'd love to, to see to see a champion award at the end of the season in some way, shape, or form. And my only thing is that if it's a neutral site game, if it's not in Miami or Los Angeles, make sure it's in a dome or something because I don't want to be cold for that thing either.
0: And that's the thing, yeah. If uh, if it's Atlanta United, there, I mean, where are they just put it here. Well, it's got to be a neutral site, so I guess we got to play it at LAFC. Or
1: Sell them 50
0: 50. Yeah. If we don't play LAFC. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's all contingent on who's actually in it. But, uh, yeah, too late for you, Mark?
2: Um, Not necessarily, because, like, you know, in terms of, like, the December 19th and how they would fit that in, they would, uh, the playoffs would start after the November FIFA date, and, um, or. No, excuse me, after the, yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Because mm-hmm. um, November, yeah, it's early in the month. And then the I think there's a round of playoffs that would go over Thanksgiving, which, you know, like could be okay, I think, in terms of if you want to uh, get people at the stadium. Um, and yeah, so, I, God
0: I, forbid it, there are any other delays. It's six days yes. from Christmas. So. Yes,
2: exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Boxing
0: right. Day. Yeah. Woo! We all Put the final on Boxing Day. That would be amazing. Holy crap. That yeah, uh, Yeah. And then just Premier that,
2: League in the morning, MLS Christ. in the
0: evening. So let's just start the season back <laughs> up January 31st. Too March. much soccer. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, give them 15 yeah. days rest. I mean, who knows how long they'll be resting for the the rest of the year anyway. So. Right. (laughs) Uh, But there was an article on The Athletic that talked about whenever MLS restarts playing a full season presents enormous challenges and some of those challenges are that uh, the calendar uh, fixture congestion will be really really massive that MLS might have to pull out of a lot of the other competitions like the US Open Cup, Campeones Cup, Leagues Cup and the Canadian Championship. Uh, There could be some other things where, you know, the available midweek dates, there aren't going to be a plenty, so that will be an issue. The compressed schedule also might affect the roster uh, because of not only fatigue, but travel and just how many guys you have on your roster to actually compete in all these competitions. Uh, The home field advantages also might be a factor because of, uh, yeah, you know, there are some some teams that don't even have their own home stadium yet and so yeah. you know like nycfc they present a, t- a flurry of issues really um, yeah yeah yeah
1: but there could be the potential of nycfc having to play their mls home games at red bull arena yeah. that would be hilarious cool.
0: and Whew. they've shown out actually uh, at Red Bull arena apparently so it's uh not look too bad nine nine thousand or something like that when uh they've had a home game there so more than red bulls <laughs> but um, oh, gosh. yeah but in terms of uh the driving factor they want to play a full season it's likely uh the athletic is saying because of the revenue from the match day experience and the sales and the tickets right. and the attendance and all that uh so canceling that would be a massive kind of kind of death blow for some of the uh the club's revenues but I think because of the single entity structure for MLS, we're maybe in a more unique way in the football world of being able to kind of uh, handle something like this possibly as well. But what are you guys' thoughts on if we were able to play an entire season?
2: Uh, The Open Cup, I think, is in real danger at this point, you know, because... The, before we had the USL clubs announcing that they wouldn't participate in it and now MLS is uh, Or at least this report is suggesting that if MLS wants to finish their season, then they're gonna have to sacrifice other competitions um, Yeah, uh, you know now we're looking at two months in the calendar lost um, And so even if you add a month, that's definitely gonna add some congestion. And There's also I think that uh, that Early June break is about two or three weeks off for a lot of the teams in the league. So I'm assuming now that also gets filled and if that is if they can even start resume playing by then and um, so yeah i think uh i don't know i just don't see how the open cup gets completed at this point
0: yeah it might have to be done with uh just not uh, actual mls clubs and where yeah the actual prize of winning <laughs> the us open cup doesn't make you actually uh get into champions league which yeah, probably as wise because, yeah,
1: you saw... They <laughs> have a pub league team yeah. winning the U.S. Open Cup. And right. <laughs> they have and to then travel having- down to, like, South America. <laughs> have to play Club America.
0: It's like... Jesus. Oh, man. God. you are going to smack up, like, 12 nothing. It's like... That
1: would not be ideal.
0: Right. Uh, but, yeah, Tanner, what do you think about, uh, yeah, finishing a season with all those challenges?
1: I mean, at this point in time, I just... I don't see how it's possible to play a 34 match league season. Just everything that you keep hearing is changing so fast, and maybe it could change for the better. But everything that you keep hearing is, is things are going to take longer than expected, and things keep getting going from you know you know a two week quarantine to a month quarantine, and the leagues push it back you know one month, and then it'll be two months, and it's you know at the end of the day they're they're worried about everybody's health, and you know not just. it, it Sports is, unfortunately, one of like the, the the worst places when you have something like this because there's so many people in close proximity to each other, you know, so they're not going to take any chances. And I think that what we saw from some of the Champions League games and some of the, the domestic games in Europe, playing them behind closed doors and putting them on TV is dead. It's not fun at all. It's boring. I mean, yeah, it's cool in terms of, you know, seeing it every once in a blue moon to hear how the teams talk to each other is great. But outside of that, it's just... It's not ideal, and and, and atmosphere is so important to some of the clubs like Atlanta, like LAFC, like, you know, Seattle, Portland, even NYCFC to a degree, you know, Toronto. This is so important to them. And not only that, you have the the inaugural season for two clubs as well. So it's a difficult situation. You have to do everything to get the games played, but I just don't see how that's going to be possible right now.
0: Yeah, and it's also, yeah, putting it into perspective of uh, sports is really such an ancillary type of thing in the grand scheme of, like, you know, humanity and public public health, that, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're even on here uh, to just talk about sports is, I mean, you know, we're trying to provide a distraction for people, but, uh, yeah, there are far more important things uh, that one should be worrying about, like, you know, the health of their families, the health of, um, yeah. you know, general society, but... Uh, but we're here to try to... But hey, we have
1: a lot of free time.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: unfortunately, yeah. But, um, and so, uh, moving on from that, uh, there's an overwhelming winner on AJC for best mural in Metro Atlanta, and that was the Joseph Martinez mural by Matt Leaders in Castorberry Hill. Uh, it was actually a write-in candidate as well, and it received <laughs> 62.5% of the votes. Ridiculous. Sounds like
1: every poll ever involving Atlanta United. <laughs>
0: Ballot stuffing LA United fans for the win, for sure. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Uh, deserved?
0: <clears throat> Probably, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're just I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so, uh, Frog de Boer, he challenged everybody with the stay-at-home challenge at Atlanta uh, United, anyway, in terms of uh, players, team, um, you know, front office, all of that, fans. And uh, one of the first to do it was uh, Darren Eels, who switched it up. You know, not just toilet paper, which uh, is kind of a hot commodity. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Uh, He did it instead with uh, his uh, child's kind of uh, plush toy. But um, yeah, and then you had Miles Robinson, Brooks Lennon, who they both, I think, finished the... uh, the challenge uh, by hitting it in, into the camera, which, yeah, I mean, you know, different, a little bit different, but I think the most different was, and this is very much uh, not LA United related, but Felipe Mello, he just dropped it on the ground and tackled it, which is yeah. two-footed the hell out of it, yeah. <laughs> on brand. That's typical think, Mello. Red card worthy, probably. Yeah, two-footed. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Not going for the. <laughs> not going for oh, the. Oh, my right. favorite
2: was Polisic absolutely eating it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Chelsea's probably that like, was... hey man, could you cut that out? We're trying for you to not be broken whenever we get back.
2: Seriously, man. what, um... what I
1: found funny though is interesting is that Darren Eels, the it was a stuffed animal of a lion. So is he kicking Orlando City into the goal? Yes. Just kicking the hell out mm, of Orlando great City. Point.
0: Mm. Great point. Yes. Uh, which I... we fully endorse. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> we kick him around to be fair anyway, so it's it's all <clears throat> good. But Um, Yeah, and so uh, you have also the likes of Kenwin Jones, a uh, former five-stripe, who uh, has appeared on Twitter saying, your grandparents were called out to war, you're called to sit on your couch, you can do this. If that's not a rallying call, I don't know what is. (laughs) Uh, Lionel Messi has also talked about this as well, Uh, we'll just have it up on the screen, you can kind of read it really quick, but uh, basically, yeah, he was a big proponent of the stay at home movement as well and that's hopefully yeah we can just beat this sooner rather than later if uh Messi's saying it come on guys listen listen to Messi um, right. LGP also talked about uh in the athletic about uh this situation and that saying it reveals who we are as human beings i think definitely i think if you've seen sort of uh, around uh, maybe even the entertainment world some people that's uh, maybe not doing the most wisest things Vanessa Hudgens looking at you uh, Evangeline Lilly <laughs> that hurts me Evangeline Lilly looking at you um, yeah I mean I don't know if you guys love Lost or like Lost but I mean that I'm like Evangeline Lilly no what maybe what is he doing just <sighs> why but um, yeah, yeah. And then you have those, I don't know, 21 year olds, maybe in, younger. In, oh, in Miami. God.
2: Oh my yeah, God. the Spring Breakers. Jeez, it's not the less set. But I just want to point out those are not millennials. That's the next generation. That's, yeah. What that's, are those? That's in shit
1: yeah. Is it Gen Z? G's. Gen Zs. The Yeah, Gen Zs.
0: And what are we going to call these uh, these new people that are born during this time, right? that's The Coronas. Yeah, the, the Coronas. You're a good Corona. Because, yeah, what, you don't go back to A, right? No. Uh-huh. Oh, well. But anyway, yeah. uh, another former Five Stripe in Darlington Nagby uh, was on BSI, the podcast Uh, He was talking about a bunch of things uh, throughout his career, Portland, Columbus, uh, Atlanta, of course. And he said that the best city, without being biased, is Atlanta, just soccer. Living there, I would say Atlanta overall is the best city. He said, my wife and I, we enjoyed it. The weather was pretty nice. Atlanta was great. You know, some people are saying like, why, uh, why did he move to Columbus then? But you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where oh. family, right, right, exactly.
2: Probably doesn't hate it in other cities, but it's like if you you know factoring everything, especially uh, way of life, like yeah, I could totally understand where he's coming from.
1: If, yeah. if MLS was less salary cap, could we have convinced him to stay here for more money? Do you think?
0: Yeah. I think there's a possibility. Like if it
1: if it was just like look. Columbus is offering, like, Maxine offers 1.5, and we we're like, here's two and a half. It's just like, well, that's a lot to stay here.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah, a little bumper offer. I mean, I think, you know, he would have been able to maybe move his family down a little bit quicker and, you know, allow that to happen. Because I think uh, from all accounts, it seems like he was there to get closer uh, to his actual, like, blood family so they can help him raise his three kids three kids with, uh, you know, one helicopter wife, that's difficult for one person to handle, uh, so I mean, I think though, at the end of the day, you can love a place, but it doesn't mean that you can and should stay there forever, like a lot of people love New York but it's, ex- you know, too expensive for many people to live there so, you know, yeah. they end up moving, so it totally, I think you know, that type of scenario happens all the time, to put to Pur- perspective, but uh, moving on, Michael Parker's and some banter with Mark Bloom, a former Five Stripe, uh, yeah, Mark Bloom was asking for uh, my uh, Kevin Kratz's number, and pretty much, yeah, Michael Parker was like, nope, social distancing, and Mark Bloom hit back with a, I'm sure you're loving this, nobody can tell that you have no friends, uh, <laughs> hilarious, obviously, uh, but I mean, Mark Bloom like making almost like a comeback in sorts of uh in this kind of five-strap fandom in a sense where uh he was seen at Joseph martinez's house he's just coming out of the woodwork i I hear he's a real estate agent i think at this point in time which i mean i think he's only about 30 years old as well which is just Mm. i mean damn you know it's just that, that type of stuff happens man you just I don't know what Kevin Kratz is doing either. I guess they're, they're looking up for, uh, you know, trying to you know, hang out, do some things, kind of pseudo-retirement. They're both not really retired. They haven't announced their retirement. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm pining for, uh, you know, Kevin Kratz and Kratz country, I think, for me anyway. But um, So, unfortunately, there have been uh, kind of uh, positive... Uh, tests of COVID-19 around MLS. Seattle Sounders have someone in the front office, as well as NYCFC. So yeah, it's very real that, yeah, this is very much happening. Um, we'll just move on quickly from that. This, uh, yeah, I think six months ago there was something like this as well, but MLS and Liga Emekis, uh that rumor that we could end up merging by 2026 according to John Suckler uh, from ESPN, uh, and that the new league could have 50 teams and would be played all year long, and that's 30 from MLS and 20 from Liga Emekis could happen. Thoughts on that, guys?
2: Lots. In the bends. Lots of cold water all over this. No way. Absolutely not happening. Like they talked about this on the ESPN as well. Like the logistics of it absolutely do not make sense. For so one, just a very basic starting point. MLS is a closed league and Liga MX is an open league. You know what I mean? Like so, Kinda. like <laughs> yeah, kind of, right, exactly. And then like MLS doesn't even do promotion relegation. You would also you would absolutely have to if you're involving fifty teams. And so like I don't know. Like yeah, the TV deals. How would that work? I I don't see that at all. I think. I think the relationship between League and and MLS most likely is through competitions, like what the League Cup I guess would have
1: been. Um but yeah, a league ah. Thoughts center. Yeah, not in the band, that sounds terrible, no thank you. <laughs>
0: It <laughs> did, indeed. indeed. Uh, speaking of Liga Amekis, they have decided to finally indefinitely suspend all games. And that's... Wow. I mean, it took a long time. It enough, took them a while. Yeah, I know. But, uh, I guess, yeah, their cases weren't as many, but, I mean, was it responsible? Who knows? But, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, Copa America uh, in 2020 has postponed to 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. A few other international competitions have also postponed to 2021 as well but I mentioned Copa America because that probably is the one that probably most directly affects us Uh, yeah Superliga in Argentina has also suspended I mean that took a while as well but uh, what's interesting here moving on into the world football news is that the hated Hoffenheim owner Hopp he's developing a coronavirus vaccine that he was the (laughs) one that was targeted by uh, Trump, apparently, to, uh, yeah, to be bought and moved over to the States, really, really interesting. I mean, wow, it's, it's such a small world. I mean, the, the owner, you know, owns a company that is creating the vaccine. It's, yeah, just, I mean, really, the importance of, uh, you know, of sports at least has, uh, yeah, is actually pretty high then, right?
1: Who knows?
0: Nah. Dude, I just don't do that. Anyway, so uh, anyway. Well, no, let's... I mean it's
1: just it's just wild. It's, it'd be yeah. so weird. It's like now all of a sudden everyone in German football loves the guy because they're like, thank you, you got the virus, so we got our football back,
0: hooray!
2: Yeah, assuming he doesn't sell it to highest bidder. Like, yeah, right. if it's uh, yeah, if it's yeah, something becomes widely it. available. Apparently yeah. he's held yeah, fast, yeah. Exactly.
0: and so good on him. Maybe he's less hated in that regard. But, yeah, um, seriously. Moving on, the Premier League, uh, they've been trying to figure out every which way to figure out how to finish their season, but the kind of monetary amount that they could actually lose because of the broadcast rights deals has been uh, put out there, and it's £762 million pounds if they do not finish the season. Yeah, they have to do every which way they can to finish the season, right? I would
1: That's, think that... Uh, you go first, Mark.
2: No, yeah. Da, I mean, so, uh, you know, the FA, so Europe and UEFA and so on had their meeting, I think on Tuesday, and then the FA, English FA followed up with their own meeting after that, and they, uh, yeah, they announced that they wouldn't un- be putting a hard cap date in terms of when they have to finish competitions. They normally do. It's normally June 1st, and they, they announced that they're just going to extend it indefinitely. And I think that's a reflection of the situation. Like, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, because the Euro- European Championships were moved to 2021 as well. I think that's to give all those domestic leagues in Europe a chance to finish, because they have to. They have to finish the league. Like, you know, they've got to figure out uh, prize it's- money, mm-hmm. Champions League places, promotion relegation. Like, all of those decisions, I think, ultimately in- impact up financially. And then yeah, the the broadcast revenue. Like I think that's why for Europe, I think it's more likely you end up seeing um, closed game games because like they still get that's their broadcast revenue that they have to they have to cash in on. Nobody's giving money back. That's not happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be one of the consequences for sure, and uh, especially if you're one of the. Uh, One of the lower teams in the division, you probably don't want to do that because, especially if you get relegated, then, oh my god, your debt is insane. Uh, Yeah, Tanner, you know, the likelihood that they actually are able to finish the season, and also, I mean, you know, the players and their contracts, if they have an expiring contract, it ends on June 30th, so lots of problems for sure.
1: Oh yeah, FIFA has an absolute nightmare ahead of it because I think people will look to both FIFA and then I think right after them, UEFA um, in terms of what the decision-making will be. And they'll have to figure out possibly to extend contracts past that point in time if there's any legal things they'll have to do in order for that to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the difference between MLS and the European leagues is that, that, that TV money is the end-all, be-all in those European leagues. I mean, for most of the clubs, at least. Some of your super clubs have the marketing budgets and the revenue from, from merchandising and stuff like that. But still, a lot of these clubs will struggle to survive for you know, if, if these seasons don't get completed because they need that money in order to keep the books turning over. And, you know, especially in leagues outside of the Premier League and the Bundesliga and possibly mm, maybe Serie A now, some of the new TV deals they have, You know, these lower clubs in Spain, France, and I'd even say Italy and Germany as well, they can't survive if they don't have this money coming in. And in MLS, a lot of it's still gate. I mean, Atlanta United drives, you know, has the highest revenues at the end of the season in MLS because of the fact that the stadium's so much bigger than everyone else's, and we're making so much more in-game day revenue. But they're in a much tighter situation in terms of these TV contracts. I think they'll get them done because they have to, and and the money over there is too much, and I can't even imagine what would happen if if you had some of these mid-sized clubs go bust.
0: Yeah, and that's not even to say, you know, talking about the, uh, you know, uh, the championship, League One, League Two, the non-League teams, and I mean, there's a lot of these teams that uh, do rely on the matchday revenue, and they will fold, uh, especially some in USL. Even like it's going to be a kind of widespread problem, and as long as this prolongs, it could really, yeah, be a sad state in, in sports but um there's one league that despite all of this is uh starting up and that's the turkish league and wow i mean i don't know what what they're doing they're just not heeding advice or anything but
1: i think actually as of today they may have stopped actually i think okay, today yeah. they actually announced they stopped but they were the last league right. they were the de facto like last major league to still be running in fact John b michael who was playing for, I think, Bonza Sport in Turkey, left the team because, he's like, there's... Why are we still playing games? And he went to go take care of his family. Good on him. I mean, yeah. yeah.
0: They, they have to hold fast for, yeah, the the health of the general public, because, yeah, I mean, it, it's just... It could get really much worse if we don't flatten this curve. Um, and uh, the last bit of uh, World Football News is that, uh, well, Jake Mulraney's former club in the Scottish club Hearts of uh, Midlothian, <laughs> they have asked players and staff to take a 50% pay, cup, pay cut to keep the Tynecastle-based uh, outfit afloat uh, in this pandemic. That's kind of crazy. I
1: mean, that's a... Uh, they are they're, they're the f- they might be the first. But like I just said, they will not be the last. I mean, many other clubs will face the same problems. <laughs>
0: yeah, and that's really tough. And I think, I think it's lucky Jake Mulraney that he uh, definitely got out in time. With that, mm-hmm. For sure, but uh, that does it for the news, and that gets us to buy or sell. And if you guys haven't seen the segment, we pretty much put up an Atlanta United topic, and we say if we buy or sell it, and give our reasons why. First topic is that Jose Martinez will play a part of the 2020 season if it resumes. Buy or sell? Go with you, Tana first.
1: Uh, I'm going first. Sorry, you broke up there. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna buy that. I think with the delay, we don't know how long it's going to be It's just gonna keep getting pushed back more and more and combined with the news that he could potentially be back sooner rather than later Maybe a four or five month turnaround, you know, that's putting him back in I guess it's July August And you know, there'd be thick the game's becoming thick and fast at that point in time And if the season's going all the way in December, I definitely think we could see him.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's a uh, Yeah, maybe yeah, five six months turnaround in terms of the surgery, right? And so
1: um, yeah. Well, no, because Zlatan was back in about that time, playing for Manchester. United, about five, six months is when he was playing. Because he got injured in April, and he was playing again, I believe, in September, October. Yeah. Oh.
0: Right. Mm. Yeah, I, but if our master is me right, or if my master serves me right, I think it's uh so you know it's March, and you know five, six months it would be about August, August. Yeah, September.
2: Yeah. August, September,
0: yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, Mark
2: um yeah i'll buy that i'll buy that because uh pretty much of what tanner said like with the season already getting pushed back and i think that um and this is kind of leading to another question but i do think that mls will try very hard to play the full season and so as long as they try to do that yeah i think that gives joseph the best chance to come back i mean like you know it's yeah obviously like this is in the context of uh the pandemic but we really don't know how much more this is going to be pushed back so uh, at this point, I buy that Joseph will take part of the 2020 or maybe 2020 slash 2021 season. You know, however yeah, that looks. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe, yeah, <laughs> we start going on the European schedule. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, I I sell this actually. I think that uh, Joseph Martinez should probably be spared this season. And even though if he might come back earlier, I know he's a warrior. I know he's going to be pining if he's ready. But I think you know, in these type of injuries and especially a really weird short season, he's going to be probably forced to play a lot of midweek games that's just not i think in his best interest long term uh i think we need to spare jose martinez from himself really so yeah I, i sell this but um next topic is that mls will play a full regular season of 34 games go with you mark first
2: yeah i'm i'm actually gonna buy this at this point uh you know, at the end of the day, they've only played two weeks, and uh, yeah, those those a lot of clubs. I mean, like I, I think everybody takes a hit if uh, there's any games lost, and so, so whether it's uh, you know the clubs who don't draw as much, or a club like Atlanta United, LAFC, who do draw a lot, and therefore wouldn't want to lose any of those games. I just don't think that any MLS team would be willing to lose games, and so I think if it's got a you know the team's got to be finished in January, February, I think they finish the season. So I'm gonna buy that.
1: I'm going to sell it unless they do move the schedule. And I don't see how they move it all the way and like shift the schedule so much to where they're finishing in January or February because that means it, you're pretty much going to permanently be shifting your schedule because you're not going to condense everything in another season to follow up on that. So unless they shift the schedule around and have it finishing in a, you know, a weird time period now, then I'm going to sell it. I just don't see how they can fit them all into 2020 at least.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I sell it. Uh, I think it's also because Uh, Yeah, not only the fixture congestion there and, you know, you have maybe you have to, uh, you know, maybe only play the teams in your conference, maybe you do that and then maybe you uh, just like eschew the first two games and just say like, okay, that kind of didn't happen or something. Um, And then kind of create new rules so that, you know, the Champions League uh, qualification is, I think, really, really important here. to a degree. I guess there's not a whole lot of money involved, but I think there's the you don't want a team that just doesn't deserve it to, you know, be playing a team that could just smack them. Um, So, yeah, I think it could be shortened. I think it could be like what you see like a strike shortened season in like baseball. Um, You know, instead of like 162, you you play 154. And so maybe instead of 34, we play 26. So, and at mm-hmm. least uh, makes it a little bit more palatable and maybe you can still have some of the other competitions just in a shortened uh, tournament but anyway so guys that does it for buy or sell it gets us to it, a new I, segment oh what's up
2: I got one I wanted to throw in here oh yeah all uh, right
0: buy or sell okay
2: uh, if MLS Cup is at a neutral site Atlanta will host it
0: oh oh That means we're not in the MLS Cup. Thanks, Mark. Uh (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I sell that completely. So.
1: (laughs) I mean, hey, it it happened with Byron and Chelsea, right? Technically, it was a neutral site, but it was neutral. But Byron lost, so maybe we don't want that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, we don't want the home team. Lose in that situation. No, exactly.
1: No. You, Mark.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, like, I just don't think there's a better stadium to play in. I gotta be honest. Like, a dome or covered, uh, seventy thousand seat stadium. Yeah, I think that would be awesome for MLS. Yeah.
1: Especially where you know you're gonna draw. Like, if you put it in like Miami or something, you don't know if you'll fill that bad boy up. If you put it in Atlanta and then mandate it's like hey Atlanta, say it's LAFC or it's someone else and you're like hey, you have to give them 10 15,000 seats they'll sell those cuz those fan bases will sell those and they definitely would go to that game, well, So West, you still have a packed atmosphere. Would Atlanta yet want to? Yeah, and that's I mean, thing. if it, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying if it's in Atlanta. Oh yeah, but I'm saying like I'm uh, saying if it's in Atlanta and MLS mandates, hey, you have to give them a large chunk of this seating because we know you'd fill it up. Because if you put it in Miami, you do not know if you'd fill that whole thing up. If you put it in Dallas, you don't know if you'd fill the whole thing up and you wanna fill the whole thing up. And you'd prefer it to have that many fans as opposed to, if you can have 75,000 fans and have this big record that you can shout about, it's better than hosting it at Bank of California Stadium where it's like, great, we have this packed thing, it's a great game, but it's small. If you make it this big spectacle, that says a lot about your league and kind of puts you out there because then everyone else around the world goes, damn, look at the atmosphere they had for their cup final. But, you know, having it competitive by having, you know, 30, 40% of the opposition in there, which would be difficult and frustrating, but it would be an incredible atmosphere. We all know that.
0: Who takes control of the, the
1: capo stand and the supporter section? That's also... I think you put you put it... I mean, you, you have not half it. I mean, you'd have the... You'd have the I think you'd have to half the supporter section side or you flip the supporter section. I mean, because you'd have to have it behind each goal. You're not gonna have it down the middle. Yeah. Because well, I think yeah. you want you'd way. want the opposing you want the opposing, you know, ultras or whatever you want to call them, you know, supporter sections opposite behind those goals because you get those shots of then basically like the battle between the two of them make the most noise. Right. So it's like although if you move Atlanta United side oh well, I I don't know. If you move Atlanta United side, you wouldn't have the upper bit because you have how the, how the 100s are on the, on the typical supporter sections. So, I'd, so that'd be interesting.
0: For sure that they need to work out, but <laughs> either way- I'd switch it. <laughs> yeah, but either way, in terms of uh, being weatherproof for the most part, yeah, the Benz is definitely one of the best, if not the best, because yeah, I mean, when we won, we were in some chilly rain for the entire day. Yeah, we were able to, yeah, save that off for sure. But anyway, really moving on now. Uh, So, to a new segment called Reverse Pass, and basically, we will be reminiscing on previous matches or experiences from yesteryear, and this time, we are talking about the 2017 inaugural match versus the New York Red Bulls that, unfortunately, we lost 2-1, but uh, Tanner, you want to talk about your experience and reminisce a little bit?
1: Yeah, so um, I went to the game alone actually. Um, I had only just moved to Atlanta about uh, four months beforehand. I had no idea what to expect. Um, you know, it was just one of those weird things. But, you know, when I parked my car and saw how many people that were all wearing these jerseys, all wearing the same colors and, you know, the walk across the campus and everything. When you crested over the hill coming from campus and you looked down and you saw how many people were outside of the stadium on that, on that north end zone side, I was like, oh, wow, this, this thing's for real and then you got inside the stadium and yeah you know the 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 chance didn't come off first time and and in terms of like you know the singing and everything it wasn't there but the electricity was the atmosphere was you know and Bobby Dodd you were tight to the pitch and everything and I was down in the lower bit of the supporter section I was like this is incredible and you know it was everything I could have wanted if I'm being honest and it was just an incredible experience and one of those Weird things as a soccer fan—the beginning of something. Because most of the time, soccer teams have you know a hundred years history, but to be a part of that, it was it was a whole lot of fun. You know, that was yeah, an incredible life moment. Yeah, Mark.
2: Yeah, so I uh, I enjoyed it from home. My brother and I were watching. We definitely tuned in, and uh yeah, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I've been in Atlanta, living in Atlanta since 2010, and you know, I uh, definitely felt like there was a soccer culture here, and so uh, you know, when. Finally announced that we were getting a team I was uh, thrilled of course and so yeah definitely excited for that and yeah, seeing that stadium seeing how full it was you know when they announced the attendance uh, all that was incredible seeing the reaction when we scored you know and like just how loud it was I mean Euphoria,
0: man. yeah
2: it, absolutely and uh, yeah you know in like when you're at home you get the you know you get to listen to the commentary as well and like I think there was general, general, because that was a nationally televised game, so I think there was general surprise, um, you know, elation, and, like, really a benchmark for where uh, soccer was in this country, and specifically in Atlanta especially. So, uh, yeah, incredible moment. Obviously, the game didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, but uh, I think after seeing that first match, it was like, wow, we have a team here that can play and we have a lot of fans, you know what I mean? Like, that will go to the games and so like, it was just like, soccer has arrived, like, it's definitely here, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. When you guys were talking about like, the electricity, I definitely agree, it's like, uh, you know, when I first arrived at the game, essentially it was at Varsity's, uh, parking lot, it was like, our mini version of the Gulch before it was the Gulch. And, um, yeah, so many people already all decked out in Five Stripes gear, and, uh, you know, people didn't really know what to expect. I mean, it seemed like there was a lot of people. Uh, I remember playing, like, a Big Jenga with uh, my girlfriend, Corey, and we were just, uh, yeah, like, having a good time. People were all just so chill. There wasn't any, like, uh, really tension between any of the supporters groups or anything like that. You could just float, and that was beautiful. Um, and then, yeah, when we marched into the stadium, it was just like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, this is serious. Like, you know, everybody, uh, for the most part generally knows their stuff. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I remember the the gate, it was just packed. Like, uh, what's, you know, you imagine is so dangerous in this COVID-19 period right now. Um, <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, it went all the way out into Um, just wrapped around the stadium and but you could feel like this like really nervous but excited energy and like once you saw the game everybody's like really amped up the you know actual play was attractive no one knew really what to expect from the team and uh, you know that first goal is just yeah absolute euphoria Um, yeah everybody I'm sure remembers that that goal is Uh, just something that, you know, I think woke up soccer in Atlanta for sure. But, um, yeah, and despite us losing, I feel like a lot of people were just very positive on it. Like, I think uh, we played in a way that, yeah, we should have won. Rebel maybe got a little lucky. Carlos Carmona, when he got the red, it was just like, Carmona, what are you doing? But but uh, first of uh, a few times that he made us do that. But... Um, you know, it was one of those those games that I think yeah, like set forth a lot of people's um, just, you know, fervent fandom that, you know, it's one to never forget. So, uh, lovely to kind of reminisce with you guys on that game. We'll try to do some more. Let us know in the comments below which ones you want us to talk about. But uh yeah, let's get into the mailbag. And you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so. We might answer your question in the future. First question comes from the Phil Hoffman. Order chronologically. Order chronologically. Uh, A. Joseph plays. B. Barco sold. C. MLS Cup is played. D. Twenty twenty home kit leaked. We'll start with you, Mark. First. Okay. Uh,
2: from first to last, I guess is uh, I'm going to say Joseph plays. Um, MLS Cup is played. Uh, Barco is sold. And we find out what the home kit for 2021 is. Okay. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Tanner? Is it a cop-out if I say the exact same thing that he just said? Because <laughs> I, was, I was like, please say something different. <laughs> please say something different. Please, you son of a... No, I, I'm, as odd as it is, I, I, I agree with that timeline. I don't see how Barco gets sold... Um, before Joseph plays because I don't think Barco will be playing the games he needs to be playing in order for, for the fee that Atlantiana to want him to leave for um, would be justified for, for buying club to play. So, you know, I think Joseph plays first um, and I don't think Barco will be sold this season at all. So you have to put MLS Cup in front of that again and then right now, I mean, the home kit will probably leak sometime in December. So I guess that's, that's one of the things is that I guess the home kit could be leaked before, you know, Barco gets sold because that's usually when it gets sold and that's already usually figured out although who knows with this maybe that maybe all that design is being delayed but you know i don't know yeah no uh fair point
0: fair point there uh i think it's i think it's c mls cup is played then i think it's the 2021 home kit is leaked then i think joseph plays and then barco is sold so i'm going with my my thing of he shouldn't play this season so just (laughs) try not to joseph please don't (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless he's just completely ready to go, but I mean those gay right. fixtures. Oh my god! Anyway, uh, next yeah. question comes from I'm not even sure how to pronounce this, but Fun Van, and I'm gonna go with Ereal Fallopod, I guess uh, can't read the whole thing. So anyway, apologies for butchering your name. But first, uh, or the, the the question rather is buy or sell? Will we lose another player before the season resumes? So another buy
1: or sell into this. Uh, so I don't think we lose it. I don't think we lose anybody before the season gets back.
2: Yeah. So I don't. Uh, I don't see. Yeah. What would? what like it would be really unfortunate. I think, and I don't see that happening.
0: Yeah. I think I sell it, but I think it's like they might be alluding to maybe like well, like a barco maybe uh, being sold or something. Or uh, yeah. I mean, but who else can we sell now? We've <laughs> pretty much. We've replenished our team to a good bit already. I think it comes
1: to teams wanting to buy, and no one's gonna want to buy because no one has any money they feel like parting with. So that's wow, why I don't yeah, think yeah. you see anything.
0: It could be a really quiet transfer window as well. Exactly. Yeah. Weirdness. So. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna. It's gonna make for a really uh, kind of a boring summer, maybe. in a, July and August, in a sense. But. And this
2: is like way down the list on the priority. But yes, it's one of those, it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah. who, how can business realistically happen this summer?
0: Yeah, and would they take a risk on an MLS player for the amount that we probably want, which is around 30 or more? Yeah, probably not now. Uh, last question comes from Gigi's Beauty Works. Uh Can they all together just cancel the whole season? Uh, Mark, go with you first. Um, I think that's definitely
2: possible at this point. You know what I mean? Like they've uh, they've already pushed the potential start date back a month. And so I think that even so, like that is optimistic because, um, you know, in terms of how how this situation is developing here in the U.S., uh, they're still uh, increasing the number of tests, you know, that are being distributed. That's still increasing, I think, with that the number of cases in the US will continue to increase. And so as long as that's happening, I just don't see how sports can resume, you know what I mean? I think uh, they realistically, like in order for sports to resume, they have to get to a point where health officials feel like they've at least corralled the virus somewhat. And, you know, then then hopefully at that point, they'll be at a point where they would be able to treat people and all that, but that's like getting to the leads a little bit. I think all of that precedes sports though. And so, um, you know, if it if the, too many months get lost, they may they may end up canceling the season or just reformatting to the way, just do something completely different. First two weeks don't count, you know, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean uh, again kinda kinda with Mark on that, it's just to cancel the whole thing would be incredible. That would be I think some clubs would struggle to make, make ends meet if we're being perfectly honest. Um, with none of that money coming in, depending on how wealthy the owner is. Um, yeah, you do everything you can not to cancel it, you, you know, even if that means you, you shift your schedule. And if you shift your schedule, it's probably going to be a permanent change, which isn't ideal because I don't think the league would want their hand forced into, you know, doing a change like that. But I just don't see any other way to to get this season in unless you change. So they're going to be in a really tough spot, and you know, sooner rather than later is ideal. But with this, you know, it can continue on for quite a while.
0: Yeah, I know some people have talked about, oh, like, this is our opportunity for MLS to uh, get along with the, you know, other world schedules and whatnot. I don't think this is the the way we do it, and this isn't, I think, the catalyst,
1: probably. Uh, in terms and there's of- not a reason to either, because, like, there's a reason why MLS schedule is the way that it is. It dodges a lot of the major sports. It doesn't <laughs> fight college football and, and the NFL too hard right now, because it's, it's, it's going to lose that, and to be fighting you know those sports and you know college basketball and all that it'd be difficult for the league to do
0: yeah it fills a void and it's also you know there's shared stadium type of kind of issues that they have to deal with uh i think out and out canceling the season i think uh largely impossible unless this is like this pandemic just gets out of control uh because yeah there's just too much i think money at stake that they'll figure out a way to at least play. If they have to play to empty stadiums, they will, if uh, if worst comes to worst. So, you know, I think uh, that's the absolute last resort that they want to do. So uh, that does it for Mailbag and pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, so La Liga is participating in a FIFA 20 tournament where one player represents each club. I think MLS should do the same with uh, their players as well. Who would your Atlanta United representative be? Let us know in the comments below. Uh, Tanner, Mark, let us know who you are, uh, your choices are real quick.
1: Well, we've seen Franco Escobar reach out to the channel and said that he would do it. So Franco Escobar really putting himself out there. I yeah. mean, shame Tito doesn't play for the team anymore. I know he's pretty good at FIFA. He whooped my ass. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I've heard that Joseph isn't the best at FIFA. So I'm going to go with if Franco's willing to put himself out there. He seems like a crazy man. I'll I'll let him go.
2: <laughs> I think I'm uh, Team Rometty. Yeah, I think okay. I think I remember him being, uh, I think I've seen somewhere where he's like, yeah, he's one of the main FIFA players on the team. And um, and yeah, so Rometty all the way.
0: Yeah, for me too. I think, yeah, because he beat Rated Hugo as well. Uh, during that little like late-night stream that they had. So I think he's probably pretty good. And, uh, yeah, but if you have uh, you know maybe a tag team of Remedi and Franco Escobar, maybe that would be a lot of fun. And, guys, that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. For Tanner and Mark. I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>